is up, everybody? Good evening. Uh, welcome to our Monday night segment of the D&D Sports Show. We are going to cover all the action that happened this weekend uh, from NCAA to NFL. And, I mean, what a weekend it was, David. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it was uh, you know, full of action. Um, not a whole lot of, of surprises um, over the weekend. Um, maybe a few games that are a lot closer than a lot of people thought they would be. Um, but ultimately, nothing too crazy in the in the sports world this weekend. Um, I mean, we did see. I guess we're gonna lead. We're gonna go big with the with the lead on Saturday. We saw a huge game uh, Saturday night between Clemson and Notre Dame. It went two uh, OT. Uh, Notre Dame ended up with the upset. I mean, you couldn't script this game any any more than the way it was. I mean, what a game. Um, you know. And at the end of the night, COVID who? I mean, they swarmed that field like it was the 90s. But what you think? What were your takeaways from this game? Um, I think that this this game um, showed me that there is literally no way that this Notre Dame team is going to make the college football playoff. And I'm going to tell you this is the reason. is because a true freshman quarterback, granted he's a five-star recruit, an outstanding athlete, there's nothing wrong with him, but he had a pretty average day um, in terms of passing, um, you know, in terms of completion percentage, you know, with just over um, just over 50%, but he threw for over 400 yards on this defense. Um, and this, this, this Clemson team was playing without is its Heisman contending quarterback. And I think that in the ACC championship game, uh, this this uh, later this year, I think this Clemson team is going to prove uh, that they're going to take this this game to heart. Um, you know, the refs kind of gave Notre Dame a few calls there um, towards the end, um, you know, with a late hit penalty that ultimately cost Clemson, uh, you know, uh, a a whole series of drives, um, a questionable hitting of of Ian Book as he was, he literally was stepping out of bounds, he got hit. Um, you know, it's um, ultimately that kind of really hurt their chances, but um, you know, I do think that the fact they only beat this team by seven points, um, you know, they had the lead, they gave it up, they choked it. I don't think that this team beats Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is a game changer. And I think that if Trevor Lawrence was in this game, this game would have been a completely different story. And, I mean, we're not taking any anything away from Notre Dame here. I mean, they played well. Cameron Williams, uh, 140 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, what a game to go off, you know. Two undefeated teams going at it. You had great. This was an all-around great game. I mean, Clemson had two receivers and 130-plus yards receiving. I mean, this was just – it ended up becoming a shootout. I kind of thought this game was going to be a little bit more defense-heavy, defense, defense heavy, but obviously that did not happen. I mean, we went into halftime. It was 23-13, and then all of a sudden everything just basically went to shit. It was an offensive-type game, and I just think – I do think if Trevor Lawrence was in this game – this would not have been an OT game at all. I think this would have been Clemson by 14 at least. But, uh, like I said, Notre Dame's a good team. They just don't have the competitiveness to keep up with these top-tier Power 5 index teams, and their schedule doesn't help them at all. So, Notre Dame will get a good bowl game, but I don't see them cracking that top four to make the playoffs. <clears throat> but a, it's like a, a pretty pretty good um just um take on on the the game. 
Um, you know, another game that a lot of people aren't necessarily talking about, but I think um, really um, is is one of the bigger games this weekend was this this uh, BYU team who a lot of people were saying, you know, uh, hadn't really played anyone. Um, you know, they, um, you know, had a pretty easy schedule. Um, and they finally have their first test against a Boise State team who has historically been, you know, a top 25 powerhouse. And um, they find a way to win. Um, you know, I, I, they are on the independent circuit, which is kind of um, unfortunate for them. Uh, they won't be playing a conference championship. But it looks like, you know, we're going to have a few teams this year that are going to make this, this, you know, playoff committee have to at least, you know, think a little bit. I mean, they've been whooping teams this year, um, this BYU team, um, only one game. This year was a, a struggle. Was a struggle for them, and that was a, you know, a a pretty uh, ugly game in in all aspects. Uh, you know, with uh, with um, University of Texas San Antonio. I mean, I think that uh, this, you know, all these independent teams this year, as well as these smaller conference teams, uh, which we can just uh, roll right into uh, with the Cincinnati team that's undefeated, a Coastal Carolina team that's undefeated. Um, all these teams that are sitting there undefeated, it's going to make this decision for this committee uh, pretty challenging. Right, and it, and one thing I want to take away, so we're talking about these little schools that are unbeaten currently, and I want to go back to this Coastal Carolina team. Um, they're playing in the Sun Belt, but the way that they have been playing, they deserve to be in the top six at least for now. Uh, barring how the rest of their uh, schedule plays out, I would like to see this Coastal Carolina team at least be considered for a top six spot co- <clears throat> going into these that decision because they have been playing extremely well. They haven't really had a bad game to set per se so far, in, and we're set. They're seven games deep into the playoff. I mean, in the schedule. Um. So I think this, like you said, mentioned. Um, this committee has a lot of tough decisions to uh, take into consideration, but you also got to think about which teams will get the nod due to as many. And we talked about this earlier a couple weeks ago, but based on how many games each team has played. So say Coastal Carolina finishes out and they go nine and zero. Ohio State only plays, I think, eight games. So is an 8-0 record better than a 9-0 record? I guess only depending on if you're basing it on schedule strength. But that extra game could be a difference maker in how high ranked up they get due to playing more games and not having any issues during this COVID season. Yeah, and I think another thing that is definitely something that needs to be you know talked about um, in in this regard is, you know, the schedule that they have to finish out, um, specifically um, this Coastal Carolina team, they still have to place a very good Appalachian State team, um, as well as a, um, you know, uh, Troy team that has been, you know, fairly competitive this year. So I do think that in order for them to, you know, obviously make it, they're going to have to beat those two teams, as well as that December 8th matchup against, um, Liberty, um, and, and which could be the battle of the unbeaten's, um, you know, winner of that is going to get a pretty decent bowl game, even if they don't make the playoff. But I think this is going to be the year where, you know, it's going to be they're going. I mean, obviously, strength of schedule is is very important, but I mean, I think it's important to give these small schools a chance. I mean, what are they playing for? I mean, I understand that like 
you know, they sit here and, you know, if they have a decent enough schedule, I think you got to give at least one of them a chance. You know, maybe if it is this BYU team who's just beating up, beating opponents by, you know, um, huge numbers and, or, you know, it, maybe it's this, uh, I mean, you also have, um, uh, Marshall's undefeated. I mean, you have a bunch of teams who are sitting there undefeated, you know, since Cincinnati, um, I mean, you're going to have to give one of them a shot. I think, in my opinion, I don't think that you can put a one loss, say a one loss Florida team or, you know, cause ultimately they're probably gonna have two losses cause they'll probably lose the BAM and the SEC championship game. Um, I don't, are they doing championship games this year? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. So I, I do think that ultimately um, they, that team might have two losses. Any Big 12 team is going to have two losses. Um, I mean, you'll, have, you'll probably have Ohio State. Um, I don't think a one loss. So I think if Notre Dame gets embarrassed in the ACC championship game, like I'm predicting them to do, I don't think they should be. I think an undefeated Cincinnati team should get in over a one-loss Notre Dame team who gets killed by Clemson because Clemson will be in the playoff as well. Um and I think that that is a big, um, you know, uh, you know, I think that's, that's a big, that game, that ACC championship game is going to be a big indicator of how, how this playoff is going to go. Yeah. And I, and I really do think that uh, the NCAA probably should have taken the same route that all the other sports have taken and have done an expanded playoffs just because of this season. And I think if they had the if they had an expanded playoffs, maybe push it to eight teams, and then have you know just duke it out that way. But because there are way too many good solid teams that are going to get shafted essentially when this committee gets together and talks about their top four. And I mean, we just made a case for three teams that could possibly that really could lose out on this committee due to the fact that they're not playing in these big. Uh, the SEC, the ACC conferences. So there's been a lot of talks, you know, since they uh, obviously, you know, made this switch to the playoff system about how four teams wasn't going to be enough. And I have always been a, from the very beginning of the um, playoffs, I've always thought that they should have expanded to six teams. And the reason why is you have the power five conferences, right? So you have all of them who are, who can fill up the five spots, um, you know, the top five. Um, ultimately, but I think that six spots should be reserved for one team that is is either a you know obviously like a mid major school that has you know either went undefeated maybe one loss you know like it would have given the UCFs the Boise States uh you know with all of the Boise State teams um you I mean you see what they do in bowl games and they prove it year in and year out um teams that just find a way to you know beat teams and then you have like the Boise State when they beat Oklahoma, UCF beat Auburn, you know, you have all these teams who show up and they play teams and granted, I understand like, you know, the teams that they've been playing, maybe oh, that Auburn team lost in the SEC championship game was one one win away from being in the, you know, actual playoffs. You know, I'm, I'm just saying that I think that um, it's really, it's really something that they should have looked at, you know, after the first few years and kind of pulled the interest. And I know a lot of the mid-major schools would appreciate it. Doesn't even have to necessarily be that spot, you know, because say, uh, say this year we didn't have any teams that were, you know, undefeated. They were all just, you know, two loss teams. And obviously, you're going to give it to a Power Five team. You know, you're going to give it to an SEC team with two losses over over a, a Cincinnati team who has two losses. But I still think that you know something should be you know looked at. Um, it should be reviewed. And I do think that they messed up, and I think this year would have been a perfect chance to just try it out. Like it would have been a, 
a sample year. I mean, it's already abbreviated season for most teams, um, you know, just playing divisional games. So I think they really missed the golden opportunity here. Um, but let's just keep rolling into games. You know, we're getting off topic a little bit. Um, we did yeah. see Pac-12 come into play this weekend. Uh, um, yes. Not much. I mean, kind of expected the outcomes of these games. But w- I don't really have a big takeaway from these Pac-12 teams. I didn't really see much that jumped out at me when I was watching some of those games. I mean, the Oregon-Stanford game. I mean, it was a steam. It was a steamroll for most of the game, and kind of expected it. Um, this uh, USC game, though, uh, I was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I mean, Arizona, Arizona State actually led for part of this game. But what did you do? You think USC is a top tier contender, or do you think they're going to fall out of these rankings here in the next week or so? No, and I think that. They they definitely did get lucky um, against the Arizona State team, who's fairly um, young. They had a high turnover this year. Um, you know, I, having a pretty senior laden team last year. Um, but I do think that in, in the Pac-12, I don't know if anybody is really going to come out of the Pac-12 specifically for the ch- championship. Um, I do think that this Oregon team showed against Stanford that even though I mean the score was you know a twenty point, uh, it was a twenty one point uh, affair. But I do think that. Um, they showed, they definitely showed their flaws. If you, if you watch any of the game, um, I do think that, um, you know, I do think that they are very beatable. Um, other than that though, the PAC 12 just, you know, is one of those divisions where unless the team goes undefeated out of there, they, they're no, there's not really a bunch of good teams in that division. Um, and I know that's, it's just, they're historically, it's like the big 12, you know, you have teams that are ranked early and they all beat each other. And they can't, you know, one doesn't rise above the rest. I mean, like right now you have two, I think you have what, four two lost teams in the Big 12 right now um, that are all, all ranked, uh, but they're just vying for, you know, pl- uh, positions and stuff. And there's people who are saying that there's still a chance that, you know, this Oklahoma team, if they win out and, you know, if say this Notre Dame team loses in the, um, you know, a Big 12 champion Oklahoma against a one loss who lost in the ACC championship game against Clemson. I mean, if you pit those two against each other, I just don't know um, which one I would go with. Um, It just depends on how Oklahoma looks the rest of this year. Um, But, you know, you got a big, a few big matchups in the big 12 um, still to come. Um, But this, like I said, getting back to the PAC 12, it's just not a good division. Um, I don't think anybody comes out of it. I do think this big 10 division has two teams that could potentially come out and, I, I want to be the first one to, you know, give myself a little bit of a pat on the back and calling this a uh, really hot start for Indiana. Um, I did, I, you know, I really liked um, their, their quarterback coming into the season, which is why, you know, I told, uh, I said week one to watch them uh, against this Penn State team, which obviously Penn State has kind of falling um, really, really fast. But, you know, a lot of people said after Michigan, you know, won, um, that week one game, they're like, oh, Michigan's back. And then, you know, back-to-back division uh, conference losses. I mean, what's the big trend? We, we seem to have this trend where we think someone's back, and then they continue to prove to us why they aren't back. I mean, Tennessee for one. Um, I Indiana. mean, we finally talked about SMU and they lost to Cincinnati. Um, you know, we gave Miami a little bit too much credit when they lost to Clemson. 
How we I gave mean, Georgia we credit had... and they go and they go and get blown out by Florida this week. I mean, we just really need to not talk about teams being back. I, I would lo- well see. So I have definitely stayed away from talking about Florida just because I didn't know what um the, with the COVID and everything with them was going to affect their season. But I did say that Kyle Trask is the second best quarterback in in that that conference, and I do stand by that um to this day because um you know. Georgia has a quarterback controversy of its own. He, they really need somebody to, you know, stand, um, step up and, you know, f- you know, take that stand job. Out, yeah. yeah um, because right now there's not really clear cut. Stetson Bennett obviously did get banged up, but he has not risen to the occasion. Um, but I mean, if you look around, I, I just don't see another, um, another guy who you can really even put in that conversation. I mean, Kellen Mond from, you know, Tennessee, Texas A&M, I mean, he's he's been okay. I mean, he's been efficient enough for his team to keep winning. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see um, how he performs against. You know, I mean, he's got the 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 uh, Auburn Tigers still, um, as well as uh, you know Ole Miss. And you know, Ole Miss is struggling this year, but they're always being kind of a thorn in Texas A and M side. Um, always finding a way to play them really tough. So I think it's going to be important for. Uh, you know, Texas, or not Texas, Florida to keep rolling. And uh, I do think that, you know, hey, if, I, I'd give him a shot against Alabama, maybe. It's a tall task. I mean, maybe. Um, if See, and Kyle Trask has been a little streaky over the course of this uh, abbreviated season. But this week he definitely was on. I mean, 474 for four touchdowns. There's not really another quarterback even the, the past couple of weeks that has thrown for those types of numbers we had one from uh oh i can't think of his name off the top of my head right now but anyway <clears throat> i do think this florida team is for real right now they are four and one in a tough sec division they still have the brunt of their schedule to go i mean like you said they have really i mean their schedule is in their favor this the rest of the way through, they have te- they have games against Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU. If Tennessee give, gets back on track, maybe that Tennessee game will be a good game to watch. But it looks like Florida could win out in easy in an easy type of fashion. But um, going to some two lost teams that are actually playing surprisingly well. Texas won again this week. Um, they played a good West Virginia team that just came off an upset last week. I mean, Texas is now finding ways to win after finding ways to lose those two games. I mean, do you think Texas could actually try to make a run if teams start losing and we don't see any unbeaten teams come out of this regular season? Well, I think that this is this is a big um... – this is a big test for the Big 12. Um, there is a few games that, I, like I was talking about, that I definitely need to be circled on the schedule. Um, you have um, Iowa State versus Texas um, in that Week 9 matchup. Um, that's going to be very huge in terms of uh, Big 12 championship. Um, and uh, I think that, that the winner of that game uh, will, will probably be um, in that game, um, then you have Oklahoma State, who still has uh, yet to play Oklahoma, which is coming up this weekend. 
um, that game is or next weekend, excuse me. Um, uh, it's going to be a very good game. Um, this Oklahoma team is probably going to win the game. Um, I do like them a little bit more than this Oklahoma State team. Um, obviously, if you do the um, if you do the math equation, um, Oklahoma was beat Texas and Texas beat Oklahoma State, so therefore, therefore. Oklahoma should beat Oklahoma State. But um, you know, uh, UCF knows a little bit about that. Um, they beat Auburn. Auburn beat Alabama. Alabama was the national champion. Just saying. I mean, there's a lot of. <laughs> There's a lot of moving pieces in that diagram. <laughs> I'm just saying UCF national championships of, uh, what was it, 2017? 2018. 2018? I think it was 2018. I know, so I, yeah, it was deep. But, yeah, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, Big 12 football, going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be important. It's going to be very heavily laden on if this Ohio State team can go undefeated in Big 10 play. Um, because you have to say the ACC is going to get one. Either Notre Dame beats Clemson in the championship game and makes it, or Clemson comes back with Trevor Lawrence, shows the playoff committee that he's the reason why uh, he's a game changer, and they roll over Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. Um, so they're going to have one team, that ACC. Um, it's uh, Obviously, SEC is going to have Bama. Have it, it, well, it's either going to have Bama and Florida if Florida beats Bama, or it's going to have, you know, I mean, I, I'm not counting Texas A&M out of it yet, but um, they, they do have a lot of teams that have one loss that, barring an Alabama loss in the SEC championship game or regular season, I mean, something could happen, you know. It's, I mean, Alabama's a good team, and I mean, they could slip up one day, you know, rainy conditions or something, you know, Mac Jones has a horrible day, like I've been – hoping he had for, you know, weeks and weeks because I keep talking bad about him, but it's just never happened. Um, but I do think that if, you know, a team loses, there's no reason why this, uh, you know, a Big 12 team could slide in that four spot. But it's all relying on this, uh, on this you know, Ohio State team um, losing because it has to, you know, it has to put a little bit of doubt in the minds of the voters uh, that this – Ohio State team is for real. That I, you know, Alabama is for real. A second SEC team, I, I feel like they need to lose. Um, the best case scenario for a Big Twelve team to make it would be uh, probably Oklahoma. Um, I think if Oklahoma wins out, beats Oklahoma State, they'll jump in the rankings. If Texas beats Iowa State and knocks them down a peg, um, I do think that that will bump up Oklahoma's credibility for beating Texas. And I think that Oklahoma would have to then beat Texas in the Big 12 rematch. Um, and I do think that if that happens, and like say the Big 10 uh, has a Ohio State team go up against, an, I don't know, say like Indiana, just based on current rankings, um, and Indiana wins that game and they both have one loss, um, that could bode well for them. Um, but I do think best case scenario for a Big 12 team would be Alabama winning outright SEC locking up the only spot for an SEC team, and then Notre Dame winning and knocking Clemson out. So then you have two teams locked in, two spots available for either the Big Ten, Big 12, or Pac-12. And I think that's the best-case scenario for um, a Big 12 team. And that's and also – you also need some of these mid-major teams to lose because I think if Cincinnati's sitting there undefeated, I mean, they already gave them the benefit of the being ranked sixth overall. So I don't think – I think that if, you know, some of these teams at the top – like, obviously, you already have one lose. Um, 
Uh, but I, I still think that this, this is going to be a very interesting, I mean, you have Cincinnati sitting there. They did drop in the rankings, even though they won. Um, but I do think that this is a very interesting situation for the voters. Yeah. And you touched on it just a second ago, uh, but this Ohio, this Ohio state team, only really two games I could really see it coming down to a potential upsets. And that's, this Maryland in the Indiana game, um, I don't see Illinois, Michigan State, or Michigan beating this Ohio State. So it's up to Maryland or Indiana to force this committee's hand if the Ohio State loses. I think it's just important that all of these, you know, teams that are that are uh, fighting for a a a spot that they just have to stay healthy. Um, you know, it has been the, that's been the Achilles heel. It seems to be, um, we'll talk about that a little bit in the NFL with, uh, teams losing really key players to injuries. And I think that, you know, we'll talk about that, like I said, in, in just, just a second. Um, uh, but I think it's going to be important to stay healthy. Um, because there's a lot of talented teams that, you know, lose games because of, you know, not be having their star players. I mean, uh, think that, think of that, uh, Indiana, Penn State game. I mean, if Penn State has their star running back, um, that that guy might not have scored and given Indiana a shot. You know, he might have been smart enough to fall down on the one yard line. Um, it's just it's all attriculates downhill. So it'll be a fun fun weekend. I can't wait to preview next weekend's games. We got a bunch of big games next weekend, um, and we'll preview those on Friday. So um, with that being said, let's get let's get to the professional level. Uh, you know, that the the guys who get paid. Or uh, I, well, I guess you know, college athletes get paid, but in their own and way. Scholarships and tuition, Not endorsements, right. <laughs> and illegal back endorsements. Here, remember, you're not allowed to take gifts. Um, but regardless, moving on to the pros. So big, big weekend in sports. Um, I mean, huge games, huge um, games, huge playoff implications for a lot of these games. Um, obviously, we talked about it in the, on the pre-show. If you got to tune in on Facebook, um, but you know, we'll just start. We'll just start at the top. Um, I mean, exactly kind of what I predicted was you know this Atlanta team would have a bounce back. Um, I mean, this is probably one of their last games that they really are going to be favored to win. Um, I think they were favored to win, even though they are obviously had the worst record. Um, but I do think that this might be one of the last ones that they are favored to win, um, specifically because they are going up against the Saints team, who we will talk about in a little bit, uh, twice. And, you know, I mean, maybe the Chargers game. Um, obviously, the Chargers found a new way to beat the Chargers this week, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but other than that, I do think that this Falcons team is probably going to lose the rest of their games. Um, so they're probably going to be looking at top five draft pick, um, if I do say so myself. But, you know, Atlanta, maybe this is going to be their stepping. They're going to shoot off into the uh, NFC West or NFC wildcard uh, chase and, you know, win out. But I mean, you say that, but Atlanta almost found a way to lose this game as well. I mean, 21 points in the fourth quarter. And they lost because of a pen. I mean, they won because of a penalty. I mean, almost lost this game. If that penalty had not incurred, I think maybe we're talking about a different game. But Drew Locke had a phenomenal day. I mean, playing from behind most of the game, he kept his team in it. He looked crisp with his passes. 
Jerry Judy had another tremendous uh, receiving game, 125 yards, one touchdown. The defense played pretty well up into the fourth quarter. They tried, they limited the points and the damage in the fourth quarter to give them the opportunity to win. And a costly penalty late in the fourth quarter in a two-minute drive. They had 10 seconds left. It just came down to snapping the ball one second and. You know, we could be talking about a Hail Mary that goes for a tie game going into OT. But, I mean, Denver looked good. Their upcoming schedule does not really bode well for them. I think this is basically the end of their season as well. I mean, their next four games are going to be very hard to win. I mean, they can beat the Raiders. We saw a good Raiders team this week. We'll talk about that later. The Dolphins game, Saints, Chiefs, Panthers, Bills, Chargers, and another Raiders game. So it looks like this is the end of this Denver team. Um, Potentially trying to push for a playoff spot. I don't see that happening. Their schedule is extremely difficult from here on out. So it's just kind of time to just hone Drew Locke in and try to build around this team because this team could be good i'd say within three years maybe maybe two so i'm curious uh in this game so you said that that atlanta almost found a way to lose this game and i do think that obviously they had pretty poor clock management at the end um ultimately they couldn't get a huge first down um they did get stuffed on uh third and six and ultimately had to punt the ball away um but i do think that that the defense did show up when it needed to on that last drive, um, you know, ultimately covering, locking them down for four straight passes, um, as well as um, essentially, um, obviously the illegal shift didn't help, but they did, uh, you know, find a way to win. And this is something that this team has historically not been able to do. So I do give a little bit of credit to them. Um, However, we're going to go to the next game, and, you know, I am very happy that I, you know, stuck with my gut whenever we were making picks on Sunday. Um, and something that I did not think would happen would be that this this Bills defense, even though they are riddled with injuries, um, found a way to, I mean, harass Russell Wilson. I mean, he's, like, if you think of all of the historically bad teams this year, um, and especially in that NFC East, um, you know, you have some uh, really bad teams like the Bengals. Um, but this is the most times that a quarterback has gotten hurried in a game all season. And this is, I mean, you got the Giants in the league, the Washington football team in the league. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that the NFC uh, West leader um, had this happen to them. But, I mean, I, they were just getting after Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah, dude, this defense came to play, forcing four turnovers on Russell Wilson, something we don't see happen often. And Josh Allen had, a once again, another MVP performance. I mean, he was kind of slowing down there for a couple weeks, but he, I mean, he picked the right game to show up and show out. Um, Buffalo is really making a case for, you know, this number one seed in the playoffs. I mean, barring any complications with this Steelers team, it's honestly, it is between Buffalo and Pittsburgh at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that uh, it's going to be very, very important for this 
Bills team to not get a big hit this week. They do have a really talented team in the Cardinals um, coming to town who are going to be looking uh, to get revenge, um, you know, for ultimately uh, getting upset um, in what most people would say. Um, you know, even with them coming off the victory, um, I, they just have to stay hungry. Um, you know, how they played in the first, uh, you know, the first three quarters is how they need to play every game. Um, obviously, the fourth quarter, you know, they kind of got a little lax on defense, and that can't they can't do that against good teams in competitive games. Um, even with a one, two touchdown lead, you still just can't do that. Especially, you know, I do like I do like the the Bills. You know, I do think that they'll probably have a, they'll, they'll probably lose if, like probably two more games, and they'll probably be the number three seed um, in this in this playoffs. Um, I don't think they'll be number one. I think they'll be behind the Steelers and and the Chiefs. Um, obviously that can all change if they, if they, if they somehow win, you know, um, if they go, uh, if, cause they, they do play the Steelers at home, which is to their advantage. Josh Allen historically has played good at home. Um, kind of a weird game this weekend though, as well for uh, being in Buffalo and being 70 degrees and literally zero wind, um, which is one of the crazier things of the weekend. Um, but I think that this Bills team is definitely trending at the right time. Um, they do need to get completely healthy. They, you know, they have this game against. Uh, they have this game next weekend, and they roll into the bye. I think that if they can escape uh, with a victory against Arizona, go into the bye, and you know, get everyone healthy. Hopefully, um, I think this team is going to be one to reckon with. Um, come you know, late season playoff time. But yeah, I mean, what a it's just a phenomenal performance from Buffalo this week. Um, Got to give credit when credit's due. They played well. And and Russell, and Russell never quit either. And I want to give them credit. Yeah. Um, playing with their four string running back, they that he like Russell definitely tried to do. And obviously there was a few times where he tried to do too much. I mean, think about it. He threw a pick on on you know fourth and goal. Um, you know, trying to get his team some points. I mean, yeah, you you know three points there. I mean, you still lose this game with you know with that three points, you still lost by seven. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, he was just trying to make a play. He's doing what you know players can do. Um, you know, obviously the strip sack uh, by AJ Klein was kind of huge, but I mean, he didn't even see him coming. I mean, his his eyes are downfield. He couldn't prepare for you know. I mean, that's a that's a grown man running full speed at you, hitting you. I mean, I wouldn't hold on to the ball either. I don't big, think anybody would. Dude. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's a, he's a big dude. So I do think that you know he didn't give up, and that is one thing that uh, you know makes Russell who he is and why he's. In, I mean, I think he's still the lead candidate for the MVP. Um, I mean, he's on a historic pace. And, you know, obviously this one kind of slowed him down a little bit, brought him back down to earth um, with a measly two-touchdown performance, which is more than like half the quarterbacks in the league this week. So I do think that it's, you know, it's it's it. both teams should be proud of their performance. Um, you know, hopefully with Chris Carson coming back in the next few weeks, this Seattle offense gets it together. But I do think that, that the Buffalo Bills – um, kind of use the blueprint, and I think mo- many teams will use this blueprint to beat the Seattle team. Um, run that zone defense, um, crossing routes are just gashed them today. I'm or gashed them yesterday. Um, you know, Josh Allen had a field day. Um, nice, easy ten yard passes, and then you know, I think some of those receivers ran fifteen yards without getting even touched. Yeah, they definitely took advantage of uh, a. A weak secondary, and I mean, Seattle's, they've struggled all season. I mean, a lot of their games have come down to just shootouts, and I think that's going to hurt them when it comes time to play playoff football. We are going to see extremely good defenses 
in the playoffs, and Seattle has to be ready for their defense to compete. They have to be at that Legion of Boom level, and I just don't know if they can. Another team that's defense uh, is is uh, you know kind of a little little iffy sometimes. Um, this Tennessee team got back in the W column. Um, you know they did um, kind of let off the gas. It seemed after they went up by twenty one points in the fourth quarter as their defense gave up um, two touchdowns in the last five minutes. Um, but they did secure the victory. I mean, their defense came to play, shut them out three quarters, um, which is why you know obviously. Um, they were kind of a, I, I, I would say that if I had to give them a, you know, uh, a statistic, I think it was a bend, don't break, um, kind of mentality. I mean, the opening drive turn it, they turned it over on downs, you know, they did give up a lot of field position. Um, they gave up one big play, um, towards the end of the first half, um, instantly, uh, made them punt. Uh, it, it's just, they made you know, um, a huge, a huge, obviously momentum swing was the, um was the fumble return for a touchdown um, by the defense. So, I mean, obviously, any, any game that your defense gets points, um, especially in, in, you know, obviously Desmond King was the one who returned it. Um, and for those of you who don't know, he was their uh, big ac- big a- acquisition um, at the trade deadline. Um, so I do think that, you know, obviously the whole season's been about this Bears defense. Um, you know, they have still yet to find a quarterback who can do enough for them to win. Listen, I'm, I'm I'm talking to to Chicago Nation right now. You guys still have plenty of season left. You only have four losses. If you can sit here, I mean, you play the Lions, the Vikings twice, the Texans, and if you can beat the Jaguars, I mean, you yeah, have five, five, six wins there easily. Obviously, you have to play the Packers twice. Depends on what Packers team shows up. Um, it, I mean, obviously you're going to have to outscore Aaron Rodgers, Um, and that's something that they haven't done yet. And I do think that if Mitchell Trubisky gets healthy, I think you got to at least throw him in there for a half. Right. And I mean, leave it to Chicago to try to do Chicago things once again, wait until the fourth quarter to try to post a comeback. Um, Nick Foles obviously wasn't able to get it done. Tennessee got out with the W. However, I still want to talk about the Chicago defense. Derrick Henry, 68 total yards. Not many defenses have been able to contain this run game, but I, the question I really want to know is, what, do you, what was most effective for the Chicago team to shut down the Derrick Henry show? Um, because, like I said, Derrick Henry has been going off on defenses all year. And he finally ran into a stout front seven. Do you think it was the? Do you think this was more just the O line couldn't get the blocks in to get him out, or was this defense just overpowering and that dominant? No, I think that this front seven is the reason why the Bears have been in any game this season. I think that they uh, are very good, talented. Um, they have a good, talented um, linebacker core headed by Roquan Smith and uh, Danny Trevathan. Um, and then you have a really, really, really solid, um, you know, uh, safety in Eddie Jackson. And, you know, the cornerbacks are, are playing outstanding. Um, but I do think that it comes down to this defense just being really good and really talented. Um, they really just never gave uh, Tannehill an opportunity to throw the ball downfield. Obviously, the one big play um, in the game was the 40-yard touchdown pass to A.J. Brown. 
Uh, a lot of that, I mean, if you watched, you know, it wasn't necessarily a just he gashed him. It was a, you know, he made a play. Um, and I, th- I just think that when it comes down to it, you know, is, is it Nick Foles? Is it Mitch Trubisky? One of them has to figure out what's going on. And I think a lot of that has to do with the lack of running game as well. Um, this offensive line is going to have to find a way to make holes for David Montgomery um, because, you know, they kind of lost that passing um, uh, back and Tariq Cohen this, for the season. And, you know, that kind of takes away a dimension because David Montgomery is, you know, not the best when it comes to being a receiver out of the backfield. So I think that th- this team has a long ways to go um, to make the playoffs. But, you know, I'm still confident in them to, you know, make a run. Uh, late here in the season, especially with just how their uh, how their um, schedule lines up. Right, and uh, transitioning into another stellar defense is this Indianapolis Colts game against Baltimore this week. Um, if you look at the score, you would have thought Baltimore was in control the whole game, but that was not really the case this game. Um, Indy's defense kept this game so much closer than it could have been. And honestly, they contained the, the Lamar Jackson. I mean, he had one touchdown on a rushing attempt, but they didn't let him get it done through the air. And I think that was important. It's just, once again, Phillip Rivers could not get the job done. So when do we think it's time to maybe put Jacoby Brissett back, it, back in behind center here? Uh, I think that... Um... A lot of this doesn't necessarily fall on him. I believe that a lot of this falls on the running game. Um, it is a very interesting way that they're handling this uh, running rushing attack. Um, obviously, um, you know they drafted a running back this year in Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know he has, you know, hasn't really had the yards, um, you know, per attempt that you know a lot of people would like to see. You know, averaging under five. Uh, per game, but I do think that, um, you know, they need to give him a few more carries. I think if they would give him a bigger workload, um, I think that this team would be a little bit better off. Obviously, the leading rusher in this game, um, kind of surprised a lot of people, but it was Jordan Wilkins. Um, you know, he had 11 carries. Um, and I do think that the running game is very important for this Indianapolis Colts team because they can control the ball, drive the ball down the field methodically you know, score some points. Um, you know, the receiving core is definitely stepping up. Everybody um, is is at least doing their part, obviously, without T.Y. Hilton. Um, it's not it's not the, the, uh, the, the best um, receiving core. I think that he adds an element that obviously is definitely missing. But I think that if you look at it, there's, there is a lot of potential in this Indianapolis Colts team, and they're going to have to, you know, figure it out fast, especially in um, – especially with the, their, their main schedule. I mean, they have to play the Titans twice. Um, they have to play the Packers, the Raiders, and the Steelers as well. So, you know, very, very important that they get their uh, head on straight and they find a way to, you know, win these games late. So, you know, so they're sitting there in the uh, driver's seat for this uh, wild card spot. And, you know, possibly, I mean, they play the Titans twice. They could be a division leader um, if they, uh, you know, play, play this right. Yeah, and another thing that, you know, Baltimore's kind of, they're getting the wins, but they're just kind of uh, skating by at this point. Um, do we see Baltimore running into any big problems? I mean, they play the Patriots, Titans. The only game that I see this becoming an issue is against the Steelers here. Um, 
I mean, they and then they play the Browns, the Jags, and the Giants. So their schedule is in favor for them, but they could still come out maybe three or four losses, and then that's really a detriment in this division with an eight no Pittsburgh and a five and three Cleveland kind of creeping up behind them. Yeah, I th- I think that is it, the big the big thing to take away from this game is is that this they, they are probably going to struggle against the Titans and the Steelers. And I don't think the Steelers are in any jeopardy whatsoever, even even after we'll talk to, about them in a little bit. I do think they're not in any jeopardy. Um, they just showed that they could play one of their worst games of the season against a really bad team and still find a way to win, this game, win games. So I do think, with that being said, I do think that this Ravens team is probably going to be a wildcard team. They'll probably be the number one wildcard team. Um, if the Dolphins defense keeps playing like they are, they could be sitting there at one of the AFC wildcard teams. And then I think either the Colts or Titans could be sitting at another one. Um, but I do think the Browns are out. I just don't know what they are right now. So I think that it's going to be important for both of these teams to keep winning or they're going to be in trouble come playoff time. Right. Um, and let's, Let's skip a couple games. Let's go ahead and talk about this Pittsburgh game while we're here. Since we're already on the topic, we can get this one out of the way. What an effort by the Dallas. I mean, they showed up. They played. And Garrett Gilbert, I mean, what a performance for him. 243 yards, one touchdown, one interception. It wasn't MVP, like, highlight material, but... He kept he kept Dallas in this game. He made plays when he needed to. He didn't force the ball. He had one mishap one mishap of a throw, and it turned out to be an interception. But they played this Steeler team all the way to the fourth quarter. Yeah, Big Ben got got roughed up a little bit. He went out for a little bit. He went out for two minutes and then came back after half and went back in the game. But they. They pressured Big Ben. They didn't let the running game get to him, which is something they have been very bad at is containing the run game. But they didn't let – they had held James Conner just 22 yards. They got beat one for one big reception by Juju. But other than that, this Dallas defense, which has been so bad this whole season, played extremely well given that they were they were going in basically to a mercy killing here. But they stuck with it. They played extremely well. It was just they weren't able to secure the win because their offense was going also against a very stout defense, and they just couldn't score points. Yeah, I think this comes down to the offensive line of of Dallas. I think that you know them playing with basically all backups um, is is the reason why they lost this game. Uh, they couldn't give him uh, Gary Gilbert the protection he needed on that. The last, you know, last two or three drives in the fourth quarter, and I think that that ultimately cost them. Um, it seems like anytime they had any momentum, of a lineman would go out, um, or or somebody would get hurt, and I think that that ultimately is. And you know, I'm gonna say it, and I'm gonna I preached it on my on my on my own personal Facebook, but they have got to do something about these roughing the passer rules. Uh, I understand if somebody completely takes the head off of a quarterback. Honestly, you can just kick him out of the game. It should be immediate, uh, you know, uh, ejectable offense. Um, but you cannot tell me and sit here and tell me that Jalen Smith t- literally touching the top of Ben Roethlisberger's helmet is a passive. It, it, it is a roughing the passive. Pass. There's no reason why it should be. There's no room for it in this game. 
Um, it cost them. It cost. I. I. I believe it cost. Um, uh, I. I believe there's another another penalty earlier on in the game against uh, the Cowboys where um, I believe that he blatantly tried to avoid tackling and hit uh, the calf with, with his arm. Yeah, it was literally like he was just uh, trying to get out of the way and hit Big Ben in the ankle and didn't knock him over or anything, just hit him in the ankle and it was considered roughing the passer. So I think that they need to redo the rules. Um, you know, obviously it, it it's affected so many games. Like if this isn't the first time, I mean – if you think about it, there's been times where Tom Brady, when he was a Patriot, would get hit in the face area by a hand, and it would be roughing the passer, and people would go ballistic because it's Tom Brady. Um, and you know, unfortunately, it happened to Garrett Gilbert, uh, you know, one time uh, as well. This game, it didn't get called. So it, they just either have to get consistent on the way they call it, or just get rid of it. And I think they might as well just get rid of it while they're here because I just think that. And I want to add that this this is something that has happened to Dallas in multiple games at multiple key times that have basically cost them. I don't want to say the game because they did that themselves. Cost them opportunities to get back into the game and give them momentum to potentially win games. Um, And it just seems like when Dallas plays, they're not only going, they get all of these ridiculous calls. And it dates back. Back to, was it a catch with featuring Des Bryant and the Green Bay Packers? I mean, this team has gone through extremely questionable calls, and it has hurt them nine times out of ten. And it's just, it needs to be looked at. The officiating needs to get better as a whole in the NFL because there, are, there have been a lot of questionable calls in a multitude of games that have gone down to game-winning possessions or game-winning catches and it's just you got to get everyone together you got to get everybody on the same on the same page and it has to be consistency because like you just mentioned it Garrett Gilbert got a ruck from the passer but it wasn't called Big Ben gets tapped gets tapped and it's called I mean you can't call it for the premier quarterbacks if you're not going to call it for the future quarterbacks it's just unfair that's you know I ranted a little bit but I'm just, it's unreal the amount of idiocracy. Yeah, and you know, and, and like we complain about it, and then all the all of the you know fans of the teams that we're complaining about it for, are like, oh, well, you would be mad if this happened to your team. Yeah, I'd be mad if it happened to my team. If my team got gifted a victory they didn't deserve, I'm the number one who I've I've been preaching since, and and you can attest to this because I and mentioned he actually it too. did, and I was just going to bring it up. David we saved, we saved, we got saved on by the L.A. Rams. We got a, a bullshit, and I say it a bullshit. Uh, pass interference call that gave us the victory that game, and I I said to this day that the Rams team got screwed, um, and I I I don't think we deserve that one. But you know, obviously on the and the only thing that accounts for is the record. Um, obviously it it it's, does hurt the Dallas team, especially with the Giants winning. Um, that's the only thing positive they have going for. We can just jump into that one. This is a stinker of a game. Um, this. Did turn out to be, unfortunately for Washington fans, you guys had the game in my opinion. Obviously, you started off slow, but you were showing promise with Kyle, with Kyle Allen. Um, ultimately, got hurt in the first uh, half and did not return. Looks like he has a serious ankle injury, so it's going to be Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins for the rest of the year. 
I think um, you, well, I think you give it to Alex Smith. He's looked really good in this game. And I mean, yeah, he's playing the Giants, but he was kind of the three interceptions were just inherent throws. I mean, two of them definitely could have been avoided. He did he kind of just let the ball go. But one of them was caused by a receiver. So I mean, he wants to, he obviously would like to take back those three passes, but barring those, I mean, 325 yards and a half. It's just Yeah, uh unfortunately they came at really key times, you know, at the end of the half. Um you know, a chance to make it 20 to 6 game or even a 20 to 10 game. I think that that one is really going to be he's going to be watching film and really look back and that was a really crucial point um with with the way that this game ultimately turned out. Um, but this is no knack on these teams. Um, ultimately, I think that with the way that this is kind of, um, I, I do think that this is the Eagles division to lose at this point. Um, all, all of the other teams really have shown that they are um, really don't have the tools to be successful. I think that this Philly team just needs to do enough to, you know, win games. And I mean, even if, this whole division can't string games along to make, make, their team the clear-cut choice. Philly can win two and then lose four. And, I mean, Washington has done the same thing. They can win a game, but they they can't string multiple wins together to get out into first place. And, I mean, New York has played two really good games over the past two weeks, once against Tampa Bay and this one against Washington, completely two ends of the spectrum of the type of caliber teams that we're seeing in the league. But one just comes out as a loss. One comes out, as, one came out as a win. You know. And I think it's basically the first team to string along two, three victories will end up coming out of this this NFC East. But it, like you said, it is Philly's division to lose. That tie is actually probably going to help them when it later on to determine that first uh, first place team in this standing. So. I mean, not much really to talk about in that game. It was just kind of a, it was a game, you know, didn't really have much, I mean, I guess playoff implications, but not really. It was just kind of there. It was just played. But now one of the most intriguing matchups of the week was this Kansas City and Carolina game. Did you expect this game to come down to the wire like this? You know, I, I really didn't. Um, I do think that, um, I, I do think that this this is a very good indication on that this Chiefs team, while they are one of the best in the AFC, they are beatable. And I do think that, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, whenever I – well, I, I had made a comment about this when they played – when they played, um, uh, when they played against um, the Bills. I did say I would rather play this – I would rather have my secondary having to worry about all their weapons than them being able to do what our defense couldn't stop, and that was run the ball. Um, also, it kind of limited our passing attack, which obviously we proved uh, this this past week that is one of our strongest um, suits after you know trying to run the ball in the last few games. And I think that if you can you can outplay this Kansas City team, and I think this has proved it. Um, you know, a Carolina offense who uh, looked revamped with the return of um, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I do think that, you know, we did kind of not give uh, Teddy Bridgewater really enough credit. Obviously, he, he did good enough to have his team within, uh, you know, 
Hey, I, I mean, he was within, uh, like, if the punter of the Panthers tilts that ball a half an inch to the left, that is a drilled 69-yard field goal, longest in NFL history, and they lose on that. Like, it was, it was, it had the distance. That thing would have been going from 72. Um, I, 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 it just was wide right. And, I mean, it's just, like, all it is, you know, as, as, a you know former special teamer i can tell you that all it takes is a little bit of you know you either kick if you don't completely kick the back of the ball if you kick the side of it if you kick the laces if you kick it at the wrong tilt i mean it's crazy how uh, a little bit will and this you know if you can shut down clyde edwards alaire this team is very beatable patrick mahomes while he is the best quarterback in the nfl he is beatable and but I, I don't think i don't think this was them stopping clyde edwards this was kind of on Kansas City. The fact that they ran the ball 12 times in a game is really, I, I want to say, kind of daunting in the fact that you have two good running backs and you're not utilizing them. You're making your offense go one-dimensional. And if teams start realizing that they only have to worry about the passing game, this Kansas this Kansas City team is going to go from eight and one to potentially eight and four eight and four eight and five upcoming their schedule because they need to get that rushing game back and they need to implement that into this offense instead of having Patrick Mahomes carry the team on his back like he has been trying to do. I think that's going to be Kansas City's Achilles heel currently. I mean their defense looks good, but they need to get this running game back into this play calling. You know, I'll, 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 the crazy thing is, you know, if you would have looked at their schedule, um, you know, three weeks ago, you'd have been like, oh, wow, you know, these next two weeks are going to be the toughest test of the season. But it's looking like this, that these, that, that this Dolphins, this Dolphins team that they're going to have to face and this Saints, Saints team, team are going to be the, the two toughest um, that are going to, you know, um, they're going to have to play. While I, I love Patrick Mahomes as a player, he's a smart quarterback. He doesn't make dumb decisions, only having one interception this year. Um, you know, I I, I want to, you know, take all of those Chiefs fans back a step. I understand that he's breaking records and stuff, and but I did hear see somebody put that he is the best quarterback of all time on their Facebook. And I'm sorry, but the dude has played for, th- what, three, three years? years. Three There's years. no way that you can say that. Um, I don't even care if in his first year, if they would have beat that, that Patriots team and made the Super Bowl and he would be two and two in Super Bowls and this is his third year, still wouldn't even be the best quarterback of all time. Uh, he's on pace to be the but he has to have a st- sustained career. All it takes say. all it takes is one injury and that dude is done and he's you forgot you'll forget who Patrick Mahomes is in, in two, three years. Like it's it's it is a cutthroat business. Uh, fortunately for him, he's got a good offensive line right now, but you know, he just got all that money. Tyreek's going to get money. Uh, you're going to have to pay, uh, Kelsey. You're going to have to pay all of these guys. And eventually you're not going to be able to afford protection and you're going to have to show us that you can do it on your own, or you're going to have to make some of these receivers, you know, you're going to have no name receivers coming in there. And obviously, you know, he's made, uh, Demarcus Robinson, you know, a, a name, Nicole Hartman, but he's going to have to show that he can do it with a whole new yes. cast because he's not going to be able to afford to pay people, especially in a Kansas City market. Now, you should have asked that person, why are y'all forgetting about that Alex Smith career in Kansas City? I mean, y'all were on his uh, coattails for five years there, and he was playing extremely well, and now you just 
like you said, you, you forgot about him. I mean, he Alex Smith turned that Kansas City team around. So, some people are just wishy-washy. Whatever you know, way, whatever I, way the wind's blowing. I am a huge fan. I will support my team till the day I die. But until I legitimately have any sort of reason to say anything as stupid as saying Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time, um, I, I just will ne- would never say anything. Wait, like you're that. saying Josh Allen's the greatest of all time? No, I don't have a reason to say that. I don't. I don't. I don't even think he's the MVP. You know, there's people who are on like on like Bills fan pages and stuff that are saying that he's MVP front runner right now because he beat Russell Wilson. And I said, no, he's not. And I'll give you two two names who are above him right now. Russell is still above him. He is. Aaron um, Rodgers. You know, and Aaron Rodgers exactly. Um, those are the two that I would put above him. Um, I, he's top five. Um, he is, but. And then you got Patrick Mahomes and Big Ben probably coming up. Actually, no. I think Kyler Murray's probably a better. I, I was gonna say I don't think that Big Ben is up there. Um, I, just statistically, he hasn't necessarily been outstanding. Obviously, his team's undefeated, so. If no, that and I got it, and, he and shows I got up. into a debate this weekend, and this is getting off track. Well, we have a couple. We only have a couple games left to cover, and I was with I was standing in a room with I'm a Cowboys fan. For those who don't know, I was standing in a room with a Packers fan, and a Steelers fan, and of course. They both like to make fun of me because I'm the Cowboys fan. But then one of them had the audacity to say, Big Ben is the MVP front runner. And I look at them and I go, what? Are you kidding me right now? I mean, Dak had more passing yards and touchdowns in three games than Big Ben had in five. And he's finally now performing well. But you still got to talk about Aaron Rodgers, who is – having a huge year and Russell Wilson who is basically that whole team and it's just you can't make half-hearted comments and expect people to agree with you it's just not how that works you know somebody who is looking poised potentially to be the MVP if it doesn't go to a quarterback is this running back from Minnesota who has come alive these last two weeks, um, you know, sitting there with 12 touchdowns. And um, I mean, and you got to put some respect on, on my boy Dalvin Cook. Um, and this you know. is what a healthy Dalvin Cook looks like. And it is scary. I mean, he's sitting there just under 900, 900 yards, uh, 12 touchdowns. You know, he's got a receiving touchdown and 173 yards of receiving to go on top of that. Um, only one fumble in the year. I mean, you got to give him, a, uh, you know, a little bit of um, credit for that. I mean, he's averaging, you know, he, I mean, he's played, what, eight games? So he's averaging over 100 a game. Um, he's averaging over a touch, like a touchdown in a, like 1.1 um, a game uh, touchdowns. So, I mean, here if he continues this trend, I mean, if it doesn't go to a quarterback, um, it very well could be the Dalvin Cook MVP year. Um, I, I mean – I, I mean, I couldn't see why, especially if Minnesota makes a late run at an NFC, you know, playoff spot. Yes, and that's something I kind of wanted to touch on. And I, in barring, you know, if these top tier quarterbacks start, you know, coming back down to earth and start having some pretty bad games, and Minnesota does make that late push and gets into the playoffs. It will be because of Dalvin Cook, and I do think the MVP award should 
go to him if he turns this whole season around for Minnesota. This team was looking extremely bad through the first half of the season, and now they are looking like they could actually pull off a uh, miracle. But, I mean, Dalvin Cook has been ridden with injury over the course of his career, and the fact that he is extremely healthy this year, I mean, this is what we would have been seeing for years if he had if he would have played the last two years. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch him go down the stretch. Um, and, I, and I mean, honestly, if you're not talking about Dalvin Cook being an MVP candidate, Derrick Henry would be right up there with him. I mean, he's not he hasn't had as many extremely talented games as Dalvin Cook, but he has had some tremendous games this year that has put him at least into consideration if he doesn't go to a quarterback. Yeah, and uh, obviously he did just finally give up the, the rushing lead this week um, with the monster performance by Dalvin Cook. So um, it, it'll be an interesting race to see who the best NFL running back is this season. Um, we're just going to hit a few games, um, yeah, a few more games. Um, we're going to speed through, um, obviously, just because there wasn't a whole lot to talk about of these games. Um, you know, this Las Vegas, Los Angeles game can be pretty much summed up by that last um Chargers um, uh, drive. Um, yeah. Um, ultimately, they they found a new way to lose. Um, historically, they have just been a um, a bad franchise. Um, they have just found a new way to lose. Um, ultimately, throwing what was the game winning touchdown, uh, only to get overturned at the end of the game, which is just heartbreaking for, especially in a young uh, Justin Herbert who's playing outstanding this season. Um, Raiders finding a new way to win. Um, if they can keep winning these games, who knows? Maybe they'll have an AFC uh or an AFC playoff spot. Um, I mean they have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way, excluding the matchup against the Chiefs in two weeks. But I mean the rest of it are all winnable games. So let's see if this Raiders team can get hot um and make a push at the playoffs. They need Josh Jacobs to get hot though because he is not looking good right now, and I don't think Derek Carr can get to the playoffs on his own accord. Oh, I think they do have a three-headed monster there. Um, obviously, with monsters, a little bit of a loose term, but they do have three running backs who all can uh, chip in. Jalen Richard, Devontae Booker, and uh, Josh Jacobs. I do think all can make an impact, and I think they just need to share the load. And just um, I know that like in the last few games, you know, Jalen Richard had the yards last week. Booker had the yards this week. This week Josh too. Jacobs had the touchdown. Uh as well as Devontae Booker had a touchdown. And then you had uh, last week, uh, Jalen Richard had two touchdowns. So I think it is, it's just to share the load. It's play the hot hand, uh, the hot back. So, working, I, so it, it's, it's working. Keep it going. Um, I do hope that this Raiders team beats the Chiefs team. Sorry, Chiefs fans, but I just want to see you guys lose. I never root for the defending champion in any sport whatsoever. It's just something I do as a fan of the game. I hate repeat champions. I do have uh, a question for you. Yes. Because I know which game I know what game you're going to, and I want to ask you a question. Did your opinion change for this Miami team with this quarterback? I know. No. I know you and I. No, and I, no. I'm going to explain why. Okay. okay. Um. Again, Tua was saved by his defense, and I say it, and you guys are going to keep keep getting on to me, but I'm going to tell you this reason why. They stay. First of all, they scored seven points again in a game for him, which gave him points. Um, ex- excluding two drives in the first half um, that accounted for over half of his yards, 
I mean, pretty mediocre stuff here, if you, if you do say so myself. Um, a very he was. I'm I, I obviously this this wasn't all Tua, but a big a big chunk of the yards in his touchdown drive in in the uh, second half. Um, his 93 uh, yard that a lot of the announcers were saying was methodical and oh, this is the future of the Dolphins. Well, I'm gonna tell you this. Defensive pass interference gave them a huge chunk of that. Um, also, a lowering the helmet to initiate contact penalty uh, by Buda Baker was also given um, on on that drive. Um, as well as, you know, obviously he did have a, a good run on that drive, but it just really, most of those yards were penalty yards. Um, but other than that, I mean, a 24-yard drive, a 28-yard drive, um, it was enough to get him a field goal, but I mean, uh, the Cardinals turned the uh, uh, the ball over on downs, which was one of those questionable decisions, you know, fourth and one. You think that they could get a yard, they didn't, um, and that ultimately cost them the game um, with them missing the field goal late in the game. Um, but I do, I still don't think it's too, I, he has potential, and I will change my opinion slightly. He has potential. But it is still not to a time. And when they play a team that has a defense that is good enough to score points or a, to force turnovers, like this is no knack on the, the defense of the Cardinals, but they have historically, you know, they've been getting in shootouts this year. Um, but if they face a good team and like with a stout defense, and I'm, I'm particularly, I'm particularly looking ahead at their schedule. This, uh, this game against Kansas City is going to be ugly for Tua. If he is still the starter, then I mean, this is the stretch where I told him that they should have started him against the Chargers, Denver, New York. Three defenses who are below average, you know, really could give him a good, you know, I mean, obviously you guys are you're going to play them in the future. These are three future, you know, uh, teams that you're going to face a lot uh, being in the, uh, you know, AFC. Um, but I think that. While I do believe he has potential, I just don't think it's still his time yet. Um, only 248 yards. It just, it just wasn't enough for me, in my opinion. Um, obviously, he's hurt by the lack of rushing uh, attack. But he has shown potential, but it's still not to a time. And I'll stick by that until he puts up like 400 yards this week against his Chargers defense or something, um, which will probably right. happen. But still, Kyler Murray putting up video game numbers again. Like, what is – what – can Kyler Murray not do? I mean, 283 yards in the air, three touchdowns, and 106 yards on 11 carries in one touchdown. I mean, this dude is unbelievable. And this whole NFC West standing still, it's anybody's game at this point. I mean, are you, who do you think, and this is just off of everything right now, who comes out of the NFC West as the number one? I mean, I think it. I think still is it still falls in the Seahawks' uh, hands. I do. I do I think that this offense is is good, and I think the defense is going to be good enough to, um, you know, uh, right the ship. Um, I do think that he, they have a very intelligent coach in Pete Carroll that's going to, um, look at how his defense was kind of torched this week, and I do think that he'll find a way to patch that up. Um, so, and. I would like to apologize to um, the Saints fan base. Are you guys tired of 
proving me wrong yet. I mean, you guys are doing a very good job at making me look really bad. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I talked about how the Saints were not good enough to make it to the playoffs. And I would like to retract that statement because I do think the Saints team is for real. And they just added Michael Thomas back, who didn't have a great game, but with him in the offense, this really changes the complexity of the game. And that defense really just took it to Tampa and forced turnover after turnover after turnover on a very good Tampa Bay offense. So, I mean, this Saints team is for real, and I do think they have a shot at coming out of one of the top three seeds in the NFC. So, I just want to start by saying that um, I do think that that I, I kind of overestimated. Uh, I, th- I thought with two weeks of practice, uh, Antonio Brown would be a little bit more of, of prepared for this offense. But I think that I want to blame this um, completely on the coaching staff of Tampa Bay. Um, you talked about running the ball only 12 times. Um, I understand getting behind early, thinking that you need to force the ball down the field, but this team ru- lives and dies by the play-action pass. And that's what and throwing the ball to the running backs, um, you know, obviously they did throw to Leonard Fournette six times and Ronald Jones three times. Um, so obviously nine out of the 22 catches were by a running back. Um, I do think that it's just, it's something that they need to, um, they need to just keep, keep running the ball. Even when you're down, like at the very start of the game, they tried to force the ball back down the field after, you know, the costly, um, the costly turnover are in the first drive. Um, you know, it's just, it's something that needs to be addressed. The play calling is terrible. Um, I I do think that this Tampa team still has potential. They still have a lot of football to play. Um, they do still have a very important matchup, um, down the road with the, uh, the other team in their division with the, uh, Falcons twice. So I think that this is a team that's very poised for the playoffs still. Um, no need to hit the panic button yet, but it is a step back, step back time and say the Saints are for real. I appreciate you for finally you know getting on board with me. Obviously, I thought Tampa was going to play better, which is why I picked them on Sunday. But I do think that the Saints team was for real from the beginning. And I do think that when Michael Thomas is returning, they will emerge as a serious, serious threat to Tampa Bay in this division. But it's still I anybody's do- game. But I also just think that they do have they do have to clean up they do have to clean up their turnovers. They did turn the ball over uh, twice on fumbles, so they got to clean up that aspect of the game. But I think just having Michael Thomas in the game it boosts their confidence, you know. And you kind of saw a shaky defense in the beginning of the season where they were losing these close games, but now you're seeing the Saints defense that is run it down your throat. They don't give you any – they don't give anything away. They're good at hiding, you know, those spy packages where they have the safety coming in on the deep side. And they caused confusion with Tom Brady, who doesn't really throw many picks. But they just got to him, and I think – I think this is the turning point. Not a turning point for the Saints, but this is the win, the dominant win they needed over a good team to keep their confidence as to – hey, this is our season, we're in win-now mode, let's go out and let's contend for the Super Bowl. But, yeah, I had to, I had to say that because it was just kind of like, well, I'd been talking trash on the Saints all year, and finally 
I'm over it. I admit I'm wrong. The Saints are for real. So that's all I can say on that matter. And now moving on to tonight's um, Snorefest. False. <laughs> False. I want to hear you say it. I want to hear you say oh, it God. that oh. I was I was right oh. about Jake Lutton and that I was right because he did outperform Deshaun Watson and put his team in a chance to win the game, and he almost did it. Um, I think that you, that on that last play call, they should have ran the ball, in my opinion, on that two-point conversion, but hey, I'm not the coach. But Lutton Mania was running wild, um, <sighs> and I do think that, you know, I was kind of right. See there, but the issue is you said you were kind of right, so I will kind of apologize and it kind of admit that Jake Ludden has the potential to carry the Jacksonville team to new heights that Gardner Minshew could not. Gardner Minshew could not keep the consistency from when he first got into. He had his breakout performance. He actually kind of reminds me, he reminds me of the Jeremy Lin of basketball. He came out, played extremely well for a streak, got the nickname, got everything he needed but then kind of faded off into the distance. And, yeah, you hear about him on occasion, but he has really, he really didn't bring as much to the team as, we, as, they, as everybody thought he would bring. And now being replaced, I think this kid's the, the answer for this team as of right now. So, yes, I'll give you that. That's all you're getting out of me. You were kind of right. So give it give it a few weeks, though. If it if they're still trending up in a few weeks, I will fully admit it for you. Because I can't, like you said, you can't go off a of one sample game. Um, the Jets Patriots game just kicked off. Um, what's your prediction? I mean, do we see twenty points being scored? No, and I, I don't think that the Patriots will lose this game, but I do think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And I think that uh, the offense of the Jets is just going to is just going to uh, run the ball uh, down the throats of this Patriots defense, uh, who kind of showed vulnerability against uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. So I think that that will be a very key matchup to watch in this game. I think. If there is a game the Jets possibly squeak out a win, maybe it'll end up being an officiating call. The Patriots blow something. I think this would. I think this is a trending topic for the Jets, and I think they might pull something out here tonight. Now, tomorrow, now Wednesday when we come back and it's like a thirty-two-zero route, then I, then yeah. But for now. The Jets will play this Patriots team extremely well. So, now with that being said, that concludes our NCAA and NFL talk. Uh, don't forget to tune in Wednesday for us talking about the MLB awards that are coming out this evening, actually, as we speak. Um, we're going to go over the Masters that starts on Thursday. We're going to cover, we're even going to cover a little bit of MLS, which. It's the first. It's the first time we're going to talk about it 
all year because decision day was this weekend and we got playoffs upcoming. So, you got anything you want to add? No, that's good enough for me. We'll uh, catch you guys next time. Peace. There you go.